Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Would you all stand with me real quick and just read this text? We're going to be in this text for a month, and um, I love this text. So would you read it with me? Here we go. Isaiah 9, starting with verse 2, says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in a land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, real quick, uh, we're going to read a passage that they put on greeting cards and that we say a lot at Christmas, but it's important that we remember what we just read as we're about to read what we're going to read. So let's read that. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Lord, be with us as we explore who you are in your word. Change us today. And all God's people said, go ahead and be seated, people of God. Well, it is Christmas, and we have some major things happening in the life of the church. First of all, this Saturday night at our home is the women's Christmas party. And I will not be there, but women, ladies, you are welcome to be there. My wife, Virginia, who's in the back there, if you need the address to our house, you can either text me or you can see Virginia and she'll send you a digital invite, but we are looking forward to hosting you in our home. We're glad that you will be there. This is welcome to uh, any adult women in the church. So if you're looking for an opportunity to connect, here it is. We would love for you to come. Not only that, but right after the service is our first day of passing out angel trees. And Chevelle, how many angels do we have on that tree? 82 82 children we're going to be able to provide presents for. So very, very exciting. Not only that, but the church is decorated for Christmas. It looks good. It looks good. And and I love this time of year. It's festive. Uh, The parties are in full swing. And the Christmas lights are on. Anybody else like that? 
I, I like that. I like that the lights are on. But, but uh, you know, I, I want to be honest with you. Even though the Christmas lights are on, here's one thing that troubles me. The Christmas lights are on, but the darkness of the world remains. All we have to do is open up our Google app and read a couple headlines, and it's discouraging. Shootings, uh, politicians at each other's throats, the list goes on and on and on. Even though the Christmas lights are on, the, the darkness remains. And I think there's a temptation for us as Christians to sort of misunderstand what the Christmas season is, is really about. And we kind of tend to use it as, as an escape from the darkness. Like, you know what I mean? Like as September and October are coming and, and then you get into November and you're like, if I can just make it to Christmas, it'll provide that little buffer from the way things really are. I'll, I'll escape into the parties and the festivities and the Christmas lights will come on and be a distraction for me from the way things really are in the world. But, but here's the thing, after the Christmas season is over, it's January and the darkness of the world remains. It reminds me of this meme that I really like. It says, uh, the monsters under my bed, they come to eat me, but this is what the monsters do when I put the blanket over my body. In other words, when you are afraid of the monsters at dark, putting the covers over your eye doesn't do anything. Sometimes as Christians, we can treat Christmas time like that. Like we're just hiding under the covers from the monsters of darkness in the real world. It's sort of a time where we pretend the world isn't as dark as it really is. But one of my favorite quotes about Christmas, about Advent, which means the coming of Jesus, comes from a woman named Fleming Rutledge. And she says this, Advent starts in the dark. Advent starts in the midst of the world's darkness. It starts in the evil that we find in the world. It's not an escape from the reality of the world. Rather, it's an eyes wide open to the way that the world really is. I mean, look at the way this passage starts that we're exploring today. In chapter 9, verse 2, it says the people walking in what? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Advent starts in the dark. And darkness is uncomfortable. We, we've recently moved into a new house. And as a dad, you know, there's times when I get up in the middle of the night and check on the kids. And I knew my way around the house that we used to live in in the dark. You know what I mean? Like you kind of know where to walk. You know where the kids leave the Legos on the floor and you know how to step over them. You know where the furniture's at. But in this new house, uh, I don't know my way around in the dark and I'm constantly bumping into things. One in the morning, I was up last night, I got back in bed and my wife's like, are you okay? It sounded like you were running into stuff in the middle of the night. The darkness is uncomfortable because we cannot see. We don't know what we are around. Uh, it, it can be uncertain and painful. But it's not just the darkness in the world around us, it's the darkness in us. I think sometimes we can use Christmas time as a way to escape who we really are. You know, as we've been going through the book of Judges, we've seen kind of 
as we look at the people of Israel, we've seen some things about ourselves that haven't been very comfortable. And even as the way that the book of Judges ends, it doesn't end with a lot of hope. Judges 21-25, which is the very last verse in the whole book, says this, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did whatever seemed right to him. In other words, some of the chaos comes not because of Israel's oppressor, but because of what's in Israel's heart, what's in the people of God's heart. And I would love it if this verse said, John, everyone else did what seemed right in their own eyes. That would make me feel a little more comfortable, but it doesn't say that. It says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what seemed right to them. And how that convicts us is the problems of the world aren't just out there. The problems of the world aren't just other people messing up. The problems that are created in the world come from the darkness in our hearts as well. So what do we do with the darkness? What do we do? We can try and escape this holiday season and pretend the darkness isn't really there, but I wanna suggest to you that we first look at the darkness in order to find hope. That's what our Advent series is about, unto us. Isaiah 9 says, for unto us a child is born. In the midst of the darkness that we see out there, in the midst of the darkness around us and in us, comes the announcement of someone who is for us. And it's not sentimental, it's not inspirational, it's not wishful, Rather, it comes in the midst of something painful, mournful, and dismal. In, in verse five, it talks about boots, blood, battle, and burning. Boots, blood, battle, and burning. This announcement comes in a, in a real historical event called the Syro-Ephraimite War, where the people of God were divided they were making allies with other nations. They were at each other's throat. They were trying to kill each other. Boots, battles, blood, and burning in the midst of this painful, dismal time. It was division. There was oppression. There was disobedience. It was dark. But if we're willing to acknowledge the darkness, the light shines even brighter. Notice again what the passage starts off by saying. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We light this candle, not because it's some fun ritual, but because it reminds us that there is hope in the midst of darkness. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. The prophet tells us that there will be lasting joy even though there's darkness that there will be freedom from oppression even though there's darkness. And that even though there's darkness, the darkness will end because a light will come. What kind of light? About 15 years ago, I went to an art exhibit and it was just called God is Light. And I was really excited about it. Um, I, I had a lot of friends who were artists. I don't think any of them entered any art in this exhibition. But the title got me, God is Light. And I went to this art exhibition expecting to see something new about God. And here's the thing, the artwork was beautiful. It was amazing. 
but I left dissatisfied because I didn't learn anything new about God. I learned about art and I learned about how to make light in art, but I wanted something more substantial. This passage tells us that God's answer to the darkness is light. And that light is something very specific. The light that cures the darkness is a king that is given unto us. In fact, did you catch that in Judges 21-25? Did you see that the problem was there was no king? It's almost a setup of what's gonna come over the next couple hundred years where, where Judges ends with there's no king and then Ruth is a story that's really leading to the need for a king that we see in King David. And then King David, we know he has a ton of flaws as well as every other king in Israel. And ultimately they're pointing to hundreds of years later when a true lasting king will come unto us. That king is announced in this passage hundreds of years before he comes. Nine verse six says, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, even as we read this, we're to understand that this is a victory speech that happens before the darkness has even gotten really dark. Super Bowl III, I believe it was, Joe Namath proclaimed that he would lead the New York Jets to victory over the Colts, and he did. And everyone was a little nervous about that because he did that a few days before, no one thought he could do it. But what we're to understand in this verse is that things are getting really dark in Israel, and they're going to get darker, and before they even get really dark, God proclaims victory through this coming king who would be born hundreds and hundreds of years later. And this king that would come would be God himself, mighty God, eternal father. Being God himself, he's not a God of our imagination. He's not a God that we make up. Rather, he's a very specific God. By saying mighty God, means that he is a warrior God. It is the God who rescued his people from Egypt. It is the God who fought for his people against Midian and all the stories that we read against Judges. It, it, it was, it's a God who would take on the darkness himself. See, in the book of Judges, God would always raise up a judge to be a light in the darkness, but that judge would always die and that judge was always flawed. But here, this king who is coming would not be raised up by God. It would be God. Mighty God unto us, an everlasting father. Everlasting father. Now, now when, when the prophet says father, he's not thinking Trinity. He's not thinking father, son, Holy Spirit. He's using the term father as like protector. This king would see it as his duty to protect his people. He wouldn't be in it for himself. He would be in it for those who are stuck 
in darkness. And while those in Judges, the judge always died, this king would not die. He would be eternal. See, God's answer to the darkness is light. And that light is a king. And that king is Jesus. That king is Jesus. Jesus, over and over in his ministry, he declared himself to be the son of man, which was a kingly title. In fact, right before he ascended to heaven, he said, all authority on hev- in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said all authority has been given to him because he is a king. And as a king, he has all authority over the evilest evil out there but also the smallest problem that you have in your life. All authority is his as king. And Jesus wasn't just one sent by God. He was mighty God himself. Many people say, you know, Jesus didn't believe he was God. That's just misunderstanding scripture. People would worship Jesus and he wouldn't stop them. In fact, doubting Thomas after Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection, Thomas looked at Jesus and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus didn't correct him because Jesus is mighty God. But Jesus is also father. Again, not in the sense that he's the first person of the Trinity, but he's the protector. Jesus says over and over that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He has come not to rule in a way that's oppressive, but rather to rule in a way that serves you and me by going to the cross for our sin. And he is eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in the tomb, but on the third day, he kicked the, 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 the stone open and came out of the tomb, defeating death forever. Jesus is the king. Jesus is mighty God. Jesus is eternal father. As we celebrate Jesus' arrival as we celebrate the advent of Christ, maybe we need to look more deeply at who he is in order to understand how dark the world really is. Maybe instead of pulling the cover over our eyes this Christmas to escape, we need to let the darkness of the world sit with us so that we can see the light in Jesus more brightly. Christmas is ultimately about hope. But hope just isn't a nostalgia. It's not a sentimentality. It's not an escape to times when they were better. Rather, hope is something that comes to us with deep confidence. Not because of something in us, but because something God is committed to. Fleming Rutledge, the one who says, Advent starts in the dark, goes on to say this, The great theme of Advent is hope, but it is not tolerable to speak of hope unless we are willing to look squarely at the overwhelming 
presence of evil in our world. When we look at how dark the world really is, when we look at the darkness in our own lives, the light of Jesus burns brighter. It's against the blackness. It's against the darkness that the light shines the greatest. Hiding our eyes from the dark is just an escape. But looking into the darkness and seeing the light of who Jesus is is a way to find true hope this Christmas. I wanna invite you just to bow your heads and take a moment to reflect. I know the past week has been busy. I know the past three years have been busy and overwhelming. But I wanna challenge you just to reflect. Is your heart finding hope in Jesus this Christmas? Are you at a place where the darkness is so overwhelming that all you can think about is escape? All you can think about is just, I need a break from the way the world really is. I need a break from the way I really am. I wanna ask you a question. Are you at a place where you want to see hope in Jesus afresh? If that's you, while with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand if you wanna see fresh hope in Jesus? Amen. I see your hands. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down. I, I wanna pray for you now, those of you that raised your hand. As we close, I wanna just pray that the darkness would not overwhelm us, that in the midst of the darkness, we would find fresh confidence to place our hope in Jesus, that we would see him afresh this Advent season. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.